ladies and gentlemen, welcome into episode six of the Get Around Podcast. I am your host, Brendan Queeley, and alongside me this week are my lovely and talented colleagues at the Traverse City Record Eagle, Brett Summers and James Cook. How you doing, fellas? Good. Yourself, Brendan? I'm doing quite well. Um, well, I don't know that I'm lovely. You're, oh, you're very lovely. You're a very, very <laughs> lovely human being. Very lovely. Um, if we just discuss this off the air. Uh, <laughs> that is true. You do have a sick and twisted, demented sense of humor. And I love it, James. I love it. Uh, as always, uh, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com uh, backslash TCRE Sports or on Twitter at TCRE Sports. You can find Brett Summers at BA Sports Writer, James Cook at James Cook 14, and myself, the one. The only, well, there are actually several Brendan Queelys, which is kind of surprising, uh, but you can find me at Brendan Queely. Uh, if you haven't given a listen to the latest episode of the Get Around After Dark, I highly recommend you take the 20 minutes and do that. Uh, you can even stop listening to this right now, go back and listen to it, because it's got some great football talk. Uh, we broke down all three of the Traverse City uh, uh, football wins and gave some quick takes on Frankfurt, Glen Lake, Central Lake, uh, Elk Rapids, among some others. Uh, but we have... This week, right now, this show here, we've got a wonderful show for you. Uh, I know I say that every week, or maybe I don't, but I'm saying it this week. We have a wonderful show for you. Uh, I I do really mean it. Uh, We've got quality programming ahead for you as we dive headfirst into some postseason talk uh, in in the prep world on the soccer pitch, on the volleyball court, and on the football field during our over and under reactions. Uh, We've got our first athlete with a second nomination for the Get Around Hall of Fame, but there are two other quality candidates looking to be the sixth inductee uh, as our athlete of the week. Uh, I expect there to be a little debate on this one, I'm assuming, because I know I'm going to fight for uh, uh, my nominee, and I think that he Let's not give it away. I'm not. I said he. I'm sorry. There is a, there's also a crazy amount of great prep action this week on and off the gridiron, and we'll take a gander at some of those as we pinpoint the games of the week. We'll wrap up the show as we reveal our picks for our favorite baseball movies as we get deeper into MLB's AL and NL Division Series in the lovely, again, I'm going lovely again, a segment we like to call the trifecta. Now, before we get into all of that and more, let's check the heartbeat of the sports world in The Pulse. Uh, Every year around this time, you're getting deeper uh, into the football season in both college and the pros. The NHL is getting underway, and the NBA is right around the corner. On top of it, you've got the MLB playoffs. So I pose this question to both of you. Is this the best time to be a sports fan? Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely, you hands down. You were kind of slow on the take there, James. I was you, he, you meant saw, to come in sooner I, with I a yes. I saw you leaning into the mic. I was going to let you go. I didn't want to talk over you for once. Yeah, I mean, the, the great thing about uh, October is the fact that no matter which league or which teams you're a fan of, or maybe you're a fan of them all, uh, October has a little something for you. You know, some of it is the fresh new feeling of getting a season underway, like the hockey you mentioned. Some of it is, you know, everything, it's down to the last few teams in baseball and getting ready to to play for a World Series title. And then obviously the NFL season is just kind of shaping up. And so the fact that you've got so many things going on at the same time, they're all at different points in their season. It just, there's so much to talk about, so much to watch on TV that you can you may be able to get lost in all of it but it's a good kind of lost like the tv show you don't know what's going on but it's it's wonderful yeah it's you're right the october sports world is just like the television show lost yes that is one of the most apt analogies i've ever heard so thank you thank you brett for that one it has a smoke monster if it doesn't it should well, we'll say this: Bryce Harper is a monster, and he smoked that ball against the Cubs. So, there's your nice. there's your smoke. Monster. Thanks for wrapping that up. Nice. That was nice. I I tried. James, uh, you, your take on this? How do you, how do you feel about this time of year? You feel that it's uh, better than March Madness? Yeah, I mean, it, March Madness itself is great, but it's kind of like the only thing going on. Um, in this, you've got so much, such a different variety. You've got the NBA, the NHL starting up. You know, so it's early in those seasons. Everybody's still optimistic that their team could be good, whether they will be or not. You've got baseball playoffs. You've got regular season uh, college football and pro football games, which, since there's so few games, all mean so much. And and, and baseball playoffs. I mean, it, there's just so much going on that you got to be a fan of something. 
Yeah, I was I was back in the Chicago Burbs over the weekend uh, celebrating my sister's uh, graduation uh, from beauty school. And uh, Saturday night, we had the uh, party uh, Saturday afternoon, and Saturday night was just an amazing night for sports. Uh, I had my Chicago Blackhawks going on. You had playoff baseball going on. Uh, you, you know, you had the Cubs going. You had the Diamondbacks and, and the Dodgers. Uh, and you had Michigan, Michigan State, which we were talking about before we got on the air was, James, you called that kind of an underwhelming game um, with uh, Michigan State winning for the eighth time uh, in the last 10 years. Uh, what did you see out of the game that you, that you liked and or what, I guess, what underwhelmed you? Well, I mean, I guess, uh, you know, I, I think Michigan just didn't, didn't bring their gay game. I mean, first off, I mean, uh, they came into the game with, I think, pretty much every built-in advantage that you could almost have. Except for a quarterback. Except for a quarterback, <laughs> exactly. That's not important in the game of football at all. No, no. It's, it, it is as relevant in football as the smoke monster was in Lost. <laughs> Very true. But in, but in a game being played in a monsoon, that should uh, kind of negate or mitigate that. But Harbaugh kept throwing the ball and kept throwing the ball anyway and made what was his biggest weakness even bigger of a weakness by making a not great quarterback throw in in an incredibly rainy environment which led to you know a whole bunch of turnovers um you know michigan state's offense didn't do all that much i mean he's just going 14 points which is not bad but i mean you know michigan's defense did good michigan's offense couldn't do anything other than turn the ball over um so I mean, it was just kind of, it, it was an interesting game, but it wasn't one of those games where you're just like on the edge of your seat kind of. No, it certainly Unless wasn't. you were somebody who was a Michigan and Michigan State grad and like were totally invested in this Right, game. you probably weren't glued to, you know, to the screen on that one. I know that I was, and it was so much fun because I don't have cable at, at my place, but my parents have cable. So it was really fun for me to be able to flip between the three games, between uh, baseball, hockey, and college football, and just back and forth. There was never, I was never watching a commercial, which was fantastic. There was never a time where all of them were at commercial. There was, uh, I believe, uh, at, at one point, the, the Blackhawks were in intermission, and the college football game between Michigan and Michigan State was at halftime. But I had baseball to watch at that time, so there were some commercials in between the innings. But it was just, it was awesome. It's pretty much everything a sports fan could want at, at, you know, at that time is, uh, it's, it, you know, you can pretty much just gorge yourself and, uh, and really enjoy uh, the, the sports world. All right, uh, moving on, uh, let's get into our over and under reactions. Uh, the postseason is right around the corner for our local teams. Uh, I think now is the perfect time to do a little peering into the future and take a gander at the possible outcomes uh, for some of those teams. Uh, we're going to turn to the volleyball court first. The Kingsley Stags picked up their 30th win last season, giving them 30 or more wins for the last 18 straight years. They've also had 40 or more wins in 17 of those 18 years, and they're likely to get there again this year. Uh, the Stags are coming off a regional title win last season and an appearance in the state quarterfinals. Uh, unfortunately, Kingsley's last two seasons have come to an end at the, uh, at the hands of Cadillac, and the Vikings just so happen to be in the same district as the Stags this season. So, over or under reaction, Kingsley wins its second straight regional title. Not an overreaction. Uh, I think Kingsley has the makeup, and you know they've they've played so well the last two years with a lot of these same players: um, Jessica Leffler, uh, Becca Crosby, Brittany Bowman. You know these are girls that were on last year's team, and um, I think they're probably sick of losing to Cadillac at this point. And also looking at how Cadillac's doing in the Big North, I would maybe say that they're not quite as good. I mean, don't get me wrong, Cadillac's still a very talented and good team, but I don't know that they're necessarily to the level that they've been the last couple of seasons. Yeah, they don't have Allie Finch and they don't have Kylie Christensen. Correct. And uh, so I, I think this is, you know, if there was going to be a time when, when these two teams had to play in the same district together, uh, you know, Kingsley would pick this go-around to have uh, have that happen. And, um, you know, I was talking to Dave Hall, uh, Kingsley head coach, on Saturday uh, after they uh, won the Sutton's Bay Invitational, and uh, he talked about how, you know, heading into this season, um, much of the scheduling in terms of which tournaments they were going to play in, uh, you know, they dropped a few from years past and added some really tough, tough ones. Uh, they're they're going downstate 
this coming weekend uh, for another against a bunch of Class A schools. And, I mean, that was really all in preparation to beat a team like Cadillac in the postseason. And, uh, you know, they're, you mentioned they're sitting at 35-2. and two. Those two losses this year were to Leland and Calumet, and Kingsley's feeling pretty good after this weekend in Sutton's Bay because they beat those two teams in the semifinals and finals to win that win that championship. So, you know, I think they feel like they're only getting better as the season goes on, and, um, you know, they, they have every plan of being ready for Cadillac come the district playoffs. How important is that trio that you mentioned of, uh, of Jessica Leffler, Becca Crosby, and Brittany Bowman? I, I know that Brittany Bowman is, is just, a, uh, just a sophomore, uh, but she has been an, an incredible part of the Kingsley athletic program, not only in, in volleyball but in basketball uh, as well. Uh, how important are they to that team? Well, I mean, they're, they're integral, but the, the thing is about th- this Stags team is that it goes even beyond those three. You've got Austin DeWeese, who uh, in that tournament on Saturday had 13 blocks, which is kind of a ridiculous number uh, to go with 33 kills. And then you've got uh, Maddie Algerhead. I think she had like 120 assists or something like that. And uh, Lacey Benton had over 50 digs, as did a few other players. So it's not necessarily like you look at the stat line following these games or these tournaments and there's, you know, just those three who are standing out. I mean, it's like across the board, every single girl is putting up really good numbers and a really good uh really good effort and I, I mean obviously that's that's part of why Kingsley's got 35 wins already at this point of the season do you see them going past the regional and moving into I mean they made the state uh, quarters last year do you see them moving uh past that I mean I guess at this point it would it would you know be too early to say for sure but um I mean they've got as good a chance as probably they may ever have to do so um you know I I get the impression talking with Dave Hall that uh you know he feels like the sky is the limit for this team and and he really believes that and his players really believe that so I mean that's I think that's the key point to everything because if you don't think you're going to do it well you, you're not gonna so uh having that and then the talent behind it the depth behind it the the evidence that you're beating these other quality teams behind it it all kind of stacks up to uh, as good a shot as you could have yeah you know pretty pretty well i i just kind of have a feeling that this is kind of kingsley's year um that i think that they that they make that run that they can maybe get past the quarterfinals and make one of their first trips to to um, count or Battle Creek in a, in a long time, and maybe we have one of those years where we have more than one team down in Battle Creek for the uh, Final Four this year. What, one of the other interesting things that Dave Hall mentioned to me this weekend as well was, uh, you know, both of those losses earlier in the year to Leland and Calumet um, both came in the Cadillac tournament, and uh, you know he just talked about how coming out of that they didn't, you know, they knew they lost to legitimate opponents. But they didn't feel like they had played their best, and the couple weeks since then, he you know he talked about how they really made a concerted effort in practice to work, not necessarily on their floor game, but on uh, their team chemistry. He said they were working on celebrating more, they were working on communicating more, and that kind of took a precedent over uh, you know some of the X's and O's, if you will. And um, he said by beating those two teams this weekend, he felt like it was worth it. All right, very good. On to football, uh, we've been talking plenty about our undefeated local teams over the last couple of weeks, uh, but looking at the point system from the MHSAA, there are plenty of chances for several of those teams and others to walk into the playoffs as a number one seed. Uh, according to Snooze to You, the current local teams with a number one seed are Traverse City West, Traverse City St. Francis, Elk Rapids, Gaylord St. Mary, Central Lake, and Onekamo. Uh, over or under reaction, we got six teams there. Uh, over under reaction, there will be five teams with a number one seed in the playoff. Uh, in the playoffs, James, what do you think about that? Uh, I think definitely. I think you could even see all six. You've got uh, t- two teams of, of those. I think are the uh, maybe the most likely to to drop a game the rest of the season. Onekamo and Elk Rapids, but those two teams are in districts where they've got a pretty big lead in points, especially. Uh, I mean, I mean, I mean uh, Central Lake. And, and Oak Rapids. I mean, Central Lake has a pretty big points lead in that district on all the other teams. If it holds up as being that same four-team district, that I think they could take a loss and still be the number one seed in that district. Oak Rapids could be in the same situation where where they could they could lose if, if they lose this week to uh, to Boyne and take a win in week nine 
and still be the number one seed. So I think you have a possibility of six, even. Well, and correct me if I'm wrong, James, but uh, with Central Lake and Onekama playing this this week, um, even if Central Lake were to lose that game, um, I mean, you're, the quality of opponent is not going to hurt your playoff points all that much. No, you won't get as many points as if you had won, obviously, but you get you get residual points for beating good teams because you get points for all the teams that they beat. It's a, it's at a lower level, um, but but you yeah you get so there is a reward for playing good competition and not winning. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with James as far as the list. I you know I earlier this year a couple of times you know I've maybe felt like some of these teams were bound to trip up, but. Uh, I, a lot of them continue to prove more and more to me each week, and I think we're to the point now where um, I feel like uh, you know that's not an overreaction. We're going to have at least five five of those teams, which you know I wish I I wish I had the number off the top of my head as far as the. I mean, this is now my fourth uh, football season here at the Record Eagle, and um, I mean I wish I had the numbers on the previous three as far as how many number one seeds we had, but I don't think we've ever been talking about even half that many, have we? No, I mean, you have you've had St. Francis in the past and Frankfurt, uh, Frankfurt that one year a couple times. Uh, it's tough to come up with ones other than that. Now, even in the eight man, we never really had number one seeds. Uh, we had teams in the playoffs, and with the extra, essentially an extra division now with eight man being split up into two. You've got another division there. But, yeah, I don't remember this many teams uh, just going through the season like this and in different divisions and having a number one seed. That's Plus it. you got the chance of Central West matchup again. I, I'm hoping for that. I don't know about you guys, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know who wouldn't want Central West part two for the second year in a row. I mean, I, I feel like even they would, both both those teams would love that opportunity. Yeah, that is, that's currently the matchup that Snooze to You has. It has uh, West taking on Central, and a- absolutely both of those teams, I think, would be uh, craving for that. One, Central obviously wants a little bit of revenge after falling 29-27 and in, in the TC Patriot game, and West would be more than happy to play Central again, I think, with the chance to say, all right, well, you beat us last year in the playoffs, but we're going to get you this time around. Both of those teams right now are, are got to be feeling pretty pretty good about themselves. Uh, West certainly uh, has to be feeling good after a forty three to seven win uh, this past week um, over uh, over Cadillac, uh, and you got to think just how impressive that win was, considering the fact that they were without four of their starters uh, and. and one of their biggest pieces uh, in Michigan recruit, uh, Ryan Hayes, who was out. You also had Jacob Pulowski, who was still out with a turf toe, Brent Walters, who was out, and then uh, Andy Shillette. So they were without uh, four of their, their main guys, but they seem to have this uh, philosophy on the team of the next man up, which is you hear a lot of coaches talk about that, but you don't often see teams really execute it. And it seems like with, even without some of their best players, uh, the, the Titans don't miss much of a beat. No, they don't. And, you know, even missing those guys, it's not to say that, you know, anyone was expecting West to lose that game on Friday, but to still go out and and put forth as dominant an effort as it was, as they've done each and every week, almost, you know, maybe with the exception of the the Patriot game, you know, that's impressive. I'll put this question to you, Brennan. How much do you think um, Tim Wuru was actually just kind of saying, you know, okay, we've got these guys dinged up, let's just... We think we have this one in the bag. Let's let's not risk these guys getting hurt more. Well, that's what he said to me on, uh, when I talked to him on the phone uh, Friday night. Uh, he said that the, the guys are day to day and that they were just dinged up. And it's it's you know he didn't come out and say like this seems like a good opportunity to rest his players or give mm-hmm. them uh, some time off. Uh, but he also didn't not say that basically. You, you know, can kind of read between the lines. You can kind of read between yeah. the lines. You know, you were looking at a West team that's scoring forty-two points a game. That's what they're averaging, and they hit that average. They scored forty-three, and then you were had, you were going up against a Cadillac team that was giving up thirty-six points a game, and it was just pretty much a, a recipe for what you had uh, mm-hmm. on, on Friday night with that forty-three to seven win. Uh, the, uh, the the Titans are. They continue to impress me every single week um, because you look at that team and you go, they're not the biggest team out there. Uh, maybe maybe there's a you know a bigger team that could push them around, but they're just so technically sound and they know what they're doing and they just every player seems to you know eat, sleep, and breathe football. I mean, you talk to them after a game and it's just hey, we're just playing football. We're just playing football. That seems to be uh, their mindset going forward and that seems to be a, a big help for them. 
All right, uh, moving on to soccer, there is a possibility of another West Central meeting in the postseason outside of football, and that would be in the district semifinal of the Division I bracket in soccer. Uh, the Trojans and Titans tied in their two regular season matchups, uh, but that would not be a possibility if they meet in the district semis, of course, so there has to be a winner. And, uh, Brett, I know that would make you very, very happy since uh, you've witnessed both the, both of the ties between the two teams. Yeah, I have. Um you know, anybody that uh, knows me knows I'm not a huge fan of the ties. I know in most cases... Other than the ties you wear, which are fantastic, buddy. Thank you. Uh, yeah, those ties I'm a fan of. But uh, where, where, where we don't get a winner, um, I don't care for that all that much. I know the teams tend not to like shootouts, uh, you know, especially after you, you know, go through a couple of more scoreless overtime periods. But... To, to me, you just I feel like you have to decide a winner. So if these teams get to face off a third time um, in the district semis, I mean, I, I know talking to them, especially after the second uh, after the second game, um, that that they they want that. You know, they both sides feel like there's unfinished business. That you know, after four halves of soccer, each side felt like they should have won at least one of those games, if not both of them. Uh, so the fact that you know going in that it's not going to be a tie, that you're going to get to end your rival season, that you're going to get to advance to a district title game, um, which West is certainly not a stranger to you know, the last how many years, um, there will be a lot on the line. And, uh, I, I mean, I would expect a phenomenal soccer game if that happens. Again, that's that's contingent upon Traverse City Central taking care of business against Alpena in the opening round of the district. Yeah, they do have to get past uh, Alpena and, and do that if they want a chance to to uh, to take on West. Uh, I, I guess what I'll you know we didn't get to the over under, but I'll, I'll say the over under right now. If Central gets there, over under reaction, Central beats West and moves on to the uh, district title game. James, what do you think about that? You've seen. Uh, those two teams play each other. Does Central have enough to beat West? Uh, yeah, and and it, <clears throat> and it also seems uh, every year in the playoffs, um, even when West have, has had, had dominated or won both of the games in the regular season, Central seems to up its game for that playoff game against West. And we've seen several times in the last five, ten years where West has won both regular season games or, or won one and tied one, and then Central has come into the playoffs and knocked West out, um, even after, you know, usually West has won the Big North Conference already. Um, so you would think that they would come in as the heavy favorite. And, you know, Central just Central just gets up for that game. I mean, it's a rivalry game, and it's ratcheted up a notch with the, the playoffs on the line. And like, like you said, being able to, to end your rivalist season, uh, you know, that holds a lot. There's a lot of bragging rights there. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of bragging rights, and I, I'm, I'm assuming that neither one of those schools uh, wants to wants to lose. So here, here I'll, I'll give you a second over under reaction. Let's just say that Central gets by Alpina uh, and does play West. Over under reaction, the game ends with a shootout. Not an overreaction. I, I think there's a great great opportunity for it to end in a shootout. Well, these two teams aren't accustomed to uh, having ties this season. Um, the, what Both of them, I believe, have, what, five ties? Or, or they'd have five ties each and ten ties between them this season? Yeah, it's a ridiculous number of ties. Uh, Even more ties than you have in your closet. <laughs> Actually, no. I think I counted one time, and I've got, like, 22 or 23. Wow. Um, so is. they've got a little ways to go. They're going to have to tie a few more times before the end of the season to really put that record in jeopardy. But Do you have, like, tours of your closet? Could I come <laughs> by the house and see the kind of ties that you have? I'm just interested. I've got three. I mean, so. if you want to come check it out, that's fine. They just hang on the back of a door. Nice. No, you, don't have, you don't have one of those revolving I don't have. I don't have a revolve. That I maybe should put that on my Christmas list. I don't your know. Your birthday's right around the corner, that's buddy, That's true. Right? I don't... <laughs> I feel like it would have to be one of those um, electric ones that hangs from the ceiling, though, so it doesn't take up extra floor space. Okay. All right. I'll make sure I do that. I'm gonna. I'll go on. Uh, I'll go on Amazon and. and I bet your Prime has a sale. I bet just for you. Does. They seem to. They seem to be targeting everything that I want. Seems to be on sale lately. So. But no, so underreaction, I think there's a great opportunity uh, for a tie, uh, or, or well, to reach the shootout anyway between Central and West, should they have that matchup. Um, and it, getting into their two matchups during the regular season, you know, the thing was, too, it, it seemed like both sides, West in the first one trailing early, um, and then Central trailing late in the second game, 
you know, not that they were fluke goals to get the tie, but it just they were at points where it just seemed so unlikely that the t- scoring team would get a goal there in that scenario or even the way in which the goal was scored was so uncommon. So it just feels like these these two teams are so incredibly close. And then obviously the, the rivalry and everything else, the competition gets uh, – the emotions and everything gets so high that it just feels like – it, it would have to get it has to get to that point where where they're taking penalty kicks to to determine a winner yeah uh, and you know uh, the the Titans are no stranger to that uh, last year the the Titans saw their season end uh, on a shootout uh, and and you uh, James you were at that game uh, what did you see then that was uh, I, I I talked to to head coach Matt Grissinger and some of the players and they talked about just how heartbreaking it was for them to lose to East Kentwood that way yeah, I mean, I think they went into extra. They went, I think, past the first set of kickers, went into the second set of kickers in that one. And, Wasn't it uh, 12 penalty kicks? Eight or nine or something was, like that. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it was a lot, and it, and it basically just came down to one person missed the net, and not by a lot. Um, you know, the last shot was the only one that didn't go in, I believe, of the, of the entire thing and it just barely went over the crossbar i thought that the goalie had gotten a hand up and tipped it over the crossbar but uh, but matt told me that he, he thought it just it just didn't didn't go in or it just went over but um and central and west played i think it's about four or five years ago they went to kicks in the district championship or semifinal game i think it was um on west field and in that one they went into i believe at least a second set of a second round of kickers in that and Central's goalie ended up scoring the winning goal. All right, uh, the uh, what would the what would the atmosphere be like at that game if those two teams, you know, those rivals are going at it in a shootout? What do you what do you expect that atmosphere to be like? Well, the you know that's always the Central West matchup. Granted, it's kind of that way across all sports, but I mean that's by far the most heavily attended soccer game locally that I see each and every year, and. Uh, you know, it it seems like in each of the cases, the home team brings you know home crowd brings it a little more. But I feel like if if these two teams are in a, a postseason situation, I mean, I feel like you're going to have a lot more uh, of the student body and and even just your casual fan of of the schools coming out to see that game. Uh, especially since both both teams have had, you know, relatively successful seasons. Um, you know, Centr- neither team up until this last week, uh, when Central um, finally had their first conference loss, neither one had lost in the conference all season. West has the conference title, um, but you know, both both teams are good. Uh, both teams have had solid seasons, and I mean, I don't think there's really any reason for for people not to come out to that one. And I think the the student bodies will be more engaged than ever as far as far as you know, trying to give their their school the advantage. All right, moving on to the Get Around Hall of Fame. Let's go ahead and induct our sixth member into the hall as we hand out our Athlete of the Week honor. I'm going to go ahead and get things started with my nomination and who I feel is an absolute lock to get the call to the hall this week. I'm going with Leland's Koblund. Koblund, of course, actually used to be on the Traverse City West soccer team, so a little connection there. Uh, Lund led the Comets to a 3-0 record last week, including a 4-1 win against Glen Lake, in which he had a goal and an assist. And then they just destroyed Benzie Central 8-0, and in that one he recorded a dual hat trick with three scores and three helpers. And then Leland had one of the biggest wins for the program in the regular season as the Comets beat number 2-ranked Muskegon Western Michigan Christian 4-2 on the road Friday, and that was behind two goals and an assist from Lund. So that gives him six goals and five assists in those uh, three victories. So go ahead and try to beat that, either one of you. I that, give it a shot. That is, that is tough to beat, um, but our uh, first returning nominee uh, is uh, I'm going to put up Traverse City Central's uh, C.L. Kearney, the cross-country runner. Um, Traverse City Central, um, among a number of other local schools uh, that went to the Portage Invite on Saturday, um, CL led the Trojans to a fourth place finish, and, and she won the uh, Division One race uh, quite handily, I might add. There are forty-four Division One schools in that uh, Division One race. I don't know what the total number of schools was across four divisions, but I think probably over a hundred schools. And uh, she had the winning time of seventeen minutes twenty-eight point four seconds, which was 
uh, about 23 seconds faster than the next Division One runner. Uh, just a completely dominant performance, and uh, you know she's certainly someone um, for everybody to watch come the November 4th state finals, uh, and, and possibly being able to win an individual state cross country championship. Yeah, uh, head coach uh, or central head coach Lisa Taylor uh, kind of uh, looks at the Portage invite and puts that in the same category as when they go down to Michigan State and run there. Uh, And for CL to do what what she did Saturday and then pretty much just what she's done all season, which is completely dominate. What is that? I believe that's four straight weeks for her with with the number one finish. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, I mean, she's just head and shoulders above everyone else. Uh, This goes back to a, a previous conversation I had with Coach Taylor. I don't know, maybe early this fall before the season even got started. Might even go back to last year, but I mean, she's point pretty point blank told me, you know, she she could see CL uh, becoming uh, an Olympian marathon runner, and I mean, that's not that's not the kind of praise that just floats out about anyone because to to talk about someone being that that gifted and and you know that talented at running is, uh, I mean, you just don't see that terribly often. No, you do not. Uh, James, who do you got uh, for this week? Um, yeah, I've got uh, Grayling quarterback uh, Justin Nicholas. Um, they had a they had a losing effort, but uh, not for anything that uh, that he did. I mean, he's coming off of a of a high ankle sprain, and uh, at a quarterback position, you know, that requires some mobility there in the pocket, and he's coming off an ankle sprain, and he still completes thirty six passes for four hundred and twenty one yards. Um, and I mean, that was just a, a pretty touchdowns. No. See that's that was, that's, that was that's a low scoring hurts. game. It was a that's low scoring game right there. But he also lost his number one receiver for the season uh, two weeks ago. Um, but it, but it, you know has still been putting up those kind of numbers. See that's the whole thing. I mean you can you can throw the ball for as many yards as you want, but if you're not you know scoring, it's it, it you know, you're not you're not helping your team. Like if I hit the ball 300 yards, but then I four putt on you know on on a hole. I wouldn't say that I'm a good golfer. I would say that I can mash, but uh, putting is not my thing. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that, you know. So nobody can have a good performance in a losing effort. Well, no, you can have a good performance in a, in a, losing, effort, in a losing effort, but if the kid threw for 420-plus yards and had, like, six touchdowns, then I might be, you know, uh, I might be tempted to say that he's the athlete of the week. I'm not trying to take anything away from the big lefty. Um, but uh, you know, you, you look at what London and what Lund did, and you look at what Kearney did, and I, I think those two are kind of head and shoulders above your pick. I'm just trying to make you feel bad, James. That's what I'm doing. Well, well thank you. You did great effort, Mr. <laughs> Nicholas, but no touchdowns. Sorry. Okay. All right. Well, let's go ahead and give our votes. I'm going with Cobe Lund. I mean, I have to. The, what he did this past week in getting those two goals and an assist against Western Michigan Christian was just, it was really, really impressive uh, what he did uh, on, on Friday. I'm going to go with C.L. Kearney oh, and make okay. James break the tie and make this really interesting. Well, James, I take back everything that I, 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 Thank I, take, you. I take back Thank everything you. bad that I just said about you. Uh, and uh, you are, a, like I said before, a lovely human being. We man. still want you to make a completely objective decision you're, here, James. You're a great person. We all love you. I mean, I love you more than Brett does, clearly. So, uh, all right, yeah, James, you're going to go ahead and break the tie this week, unless you want to make it everybody's voting for their own. Uh, no, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll actually go. Um, the last time I think that we had CL up, um, after we were done talking, I was like, well, you guys had both voted for the other person, and I was like, well, I would have voted for CL. So I'll go with CL this time. See, that doesn't – listen, CL is going to win a state championship. She will be per, a perfect candidate for the Hall of Fame when she does that. Coblund just had six goals and five assists in a 3-0 and week against some pretty good competition. I, I beg you – I'm not diminishing anything that Cobe did. I beg you to change your vote. <laughs> <laughs> on your knees, gravel. I'm not going to get on my knees. I wouldn't be able to speak into the mic. So, all right, well, congratulations to Traverse City Central C.L. Kearney on our being our sixth inductee into the Get Around Hall of Fame. We need to start a win tracker for me on this, by the way. Yeah, you are, I think, uh, I think you've got four out of the six, right? And I wasn't here for one week. Yeah. <laughs> so the only one that I have is uh, Cade Peterson week one. You went with Griffin Kelly that week. So, I did, I did. Yeah, it should be. A, listen, Cobe, I'm sorry. I'm just... It should be you. James is wrong. 
So nothing, not taking anything away from what CL did. She is an amazing athlete. Um, but uh, I'm not taking anything away from Kobe. No, I mean you are. <laughs> you were taking away. But somehow, but somehow you you're not taking from CL. away. Okay, I see how it is. Taking away. Well, you to technically get took fame. away the award from yeah. Kobe by choosing CL, but. Well, but it was a that that's a tough call. Let let this debate rage on like Kobe or Michael, you know, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Kobe versus Michael and Kobe yeah. versus CL. Reply, leave some comments for us and say who you would have picked. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. So especially Kobe, we'd like to hear from you, Kobe. We'd like to know what you think about James and what he just did to you. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's actually get back to the West Central rivalry and move on and break down some of the big games of the week. Uh, the West and Central volleyball teams meet for the second time this season as the Trojans host the Titans on Wednesday. Uh, the last time these two teams met up, it was an absolute barn burner that went five sets, and three of those sets actually went into extra points as West just snuck by Central in the fifth set with an 18-16 to win. So, guys, uh, what do you think we should expect when those two teams meet up again? Well, you were there, Brendan. I was. You were there. Yes. So I, I only know based off a secondhand account. But what I do what what I do know uh, for me personally is that having just seen West play uh, against Petoskey this last week, um, you know they they realize that uh, you know they have to they probably have to win out in order to secure Big North Conference victory. Um, or, or championship, I should say, over Cadillac. I think both uh, both squads are tied right now in, as far as the standings go, and um, you know it's gonna it's gonna come right down to it. So you know if, if West, you know, really wants that uh, that title, they're gonna have to figure out a way to get by Central because if they don't, their odds take a pretty big hit. That was watching that game uh, that that first uh, match between the two of them was some of the most fun I've seen uh, players have at an, in an early season, regular season game. Uh, both crowds were fantastic. In fact, the, the Central, uh, this was at West, the Central student section was really, really routing, really, really getting into that one. I mean, Central had so many chances where they outplayed West for, you know, uh, for a good portion of uh, those, the three sets, to obviously the two that... Uh, that uh, Central won were actually 26 to 24 and 26 to 24, so that's how close it was. West's uh, other uh, two sets they won, they they handled them uh, pretty easily. I believe one of them was 25-15 and 25-13. Uh, but even in those games, Central was always right there and doing their best. And you know, talking to head coach Kathleen Nance, uh, Central's head coach, after the game, she was happy with what went down. But and how her team performed, but she really believed that they were that close to beating West, and West came into that one as, as a pretty heavy favorite, and uh, it, I, I would assume that West is going to come into Wednesday's matchup as a favorite as well, but I would not be surprised to see Central come out and just start laying it on them. Yeah, the, uh, the other thing for, for West, um, talking with uh, Titans coach Emily Bauman after that game against Petoskey last week, was you know the thing that maybe is standing most in their way of a conference championship right now is kind of themselves. Um, you know, she talked about how the Titans just they ride this roller coaster through throughout most most matches seemingly of late, and they just have a they have a hard time being consistent. You know, against Petoskey, they got up two games to none, played pretty well, relatively you know easy time getting through those first two games, and uh, and then Petoskey comes out and just trucks them in the in the third game and then led for a, a good portion of the fourth game you know making it seem like maybe this th- that match was going to go five sets and uh, b- before uh, west ultimately did get things under control but you know she just talked about how it, and they've co- consistently been going over this in practice you know we can't continue to keep doing this over and over and over again and it doesn't really seem like they've necessarily found the remedy that they're looking for and uh you know like you just said if they don't find that for central um you know that's a a team that could take advantage of that and and really um end some hopes uh for the for the titans as far as a bnc title goes and uh that that makes it really interesting yeah, and Bauman had mentioned after that, uh, after the close win against Central, that she didn't feel that her team had a killer instinct, that they were just kind of, that for some reason they weren't 
uh, going after the big hit or you know the big kill or something like that. And uh, it, uh, hopefully they have learned from that. Uh, and maybe we'll see that put on display uh, when they play again on Wednesday. And the thing I like about the, the rivalry of this year is that the, the gap between the two teams has closed. Um, and you're seeing a lot more, like you said, a lot of very close games, close matches. And, and that wasn't the case for years, um, where West was always several steps ahead of Central, it seemed like. And, and you came into these games almost just assuming that West was going to win against Central. And and oftentimes in straight games and not close games. Um, and, and it's great to see that the, that the gap is closed and that these two teams are playing at kind of on par, at least with each other, and in these nice, close, tight games. All right, uh, we've also got a, a great slate of action on the gridiron this Friday. Three huge games include mm-hmm. Traverse City Central trying to lock up a playoff berth against Birmingham brother Rice. We've got undefeated Central Lake hosting undefeated Onekama, which we touched on uh, before just a little briefly. And then finally, undefeated Boyne City against the surprising 6-1 and one Elks of Elk Rapids. Uh, so uh, what, do we, uh, what do we think about this, uh, this first matchup uh, between Central and Brother Rice? Well, this was a, a game last year um, that Traverse City Central uh, traveled down there, and I believe uh, it was uh, a game that snapped um, what could have been a pretty historic regular season winning streak for the Trojans. They, I think, I believe, I forget the exact number, but they were tied with the uh, Uli-led Trojans in the 80s as far as consecutive regular season games won uh, before they went down to Brother Rice, and then that game ultimately ends up going into overtime, and, uh, you know, Central fell. But, uh, I mean, Brother Rice is a, a perennially beast mode program, I guess, and uh, it seems like this year maybe they're not quite to that level but still a good opponent nonetheless and are they sitting at three and four right now is that where they're at yeah i mean they play a that's kind of misleading too just because they play such a incredibly brutal schedule up front uh, i think oftentimes they even play uh, you know some out-of-state opponents and um you know just to to get ready for the season but i mean this is a this will be a big big matchup for for central in terms of one just kind of avenging that loss as well as uh you know continuing um you know the, this little bit of a role that they've that they've gotten on trying to uh, pick up their sixth win and uh, qualify for the playoffs yet again under head coach Eric Sugars. Um, and I mean, you don't want to put that off, uh, you know, into weeks eight and nine. So uh, the uh, the incentive to uh, get that done on Friday at Thurlby will be massive. Uh, and then, uh, you know, like we spoke about before, we do have that, that big game between Central Lake, which won 58-30 to 30 over Atlanta, and then you had Onekama, which just destroyed its poor opponent uh, that it played on Friday. Those two teams meeting up. Uh, James, what do you see coming into that game that's, uh, that's kind of sticking out? Yeah, I'm really interested to see uh, how Central Lake does in this game. I mean, you know, Brett and I were talking about this earlier, that, um, you know, they haven't they haven't played a whole lot of teams with great records or anything like that yet. I mean, they've taken care of business, obviously, because they're undefeated. Um, so everybody that's been put in front of them, they've taken care of it. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how they how they react against a team that is that is this good, like Onekama. And you and I mentioned before that you know that they are just steamrolling people. I mean, they haven't been in a game that's probably been close after mid first quarter. Yeah, they're enjoying that running clock. Yeah, a lot. I think almost. Ex- I don't know that they probably played a minute of the second half without a running clock. Maybe. Well, they didn't play a minute of the second half Friday. So because they were what they were. I believe it was fifty-eight to nothing at the 58 half. Fifty-eight to nothing at the which half. Which is time. just absurd in, in any football game. Sutton's Bay did uh, prevent the running clock for a bit in the second half of their game, but I believe that one ended up fifty-four to eighteen. I think that's the only one that wasn't running uh, clock when the second half started. And, you know, I obviously I'll be at Thurlby uh, covering the, the Central game, but, I mean, that is certainly a game I would be just as intrigued to go and watch. I mean, you don't often get 7-0 and matchups. Uh, and, and just to find out how close these teams are to one another, um, I mean, regardless of uh, – 
who who wins, who loses, it it could still be a very telling game as as to the futures of both these teams come the postseason. Yeah. Well, we have a potential for uh, in Week Nine a matchup between two eight and teams if Boyne City uh, can get by Elk Rapids this week. Uh, but what do we think? Do the Elks have a chance to uh, pull the upset and get a win over the Ramblers? Yeah, I think I, I think they've got they've got a shot at least at least a puncher shot if not more. Boyne has has won all these games. I mean, they're they're seven and zero coming in. Uh, they haven't been like Onekama, where they have just been steamrolling teams. Uh, they've been winning by a couple of touchdowns, maybe, but not seven or eight like Onekama has been doing. So it seems have been able to hang around with Boyne. So if if Elk Rapids can do that, and they've got the offensive weapons to, you know, they have those quick strike capabilities with a, a bunch of good receivers, good uh, quarterback and running back. You know they've got a lot of a lot of weapons there that they can they can do that and they can stay in that game and and maybe even pull it out. I think. How surprising is it what uh, Elk Rapids has done this year, coming off of two seasons when they went a combined two and fifteen, and now to be sitting at six and one and being in the playoffs for the first time since two thousand and fourteen. Well, I think if you just look at the fact that they were two and fifteen the last two years, that makes it shocking. But if you look at who the makeup who makes up this team, who their best players are, and, you know, look back at the last two seasons. I think I've mentioned this before, that there's a, a lot of the same guys who were playing varsity probably long before they were ready to be varsity players. And, uh, I mean, they always had the talent. They just simply weren't ready yet. And we're seeing now, as a lot of these kids are, are in their senior year, that now is their time, and they've seized that opportunity. And as far as this game goes on Friday, I mean, I think, I think it's almost a, a push, um, a 50-50 shot for, for each side. I mean, it, you've got to kind of take it with a grain of salt, but you look at a common opponent like uh, Grayling that Boyne and Elk Rapids have both beaten uh, this season, and scores are almost identical. Uh, and it, I think that speaks a little bit to just how competitive Friday night be. I really don't expect uh, you know the the winning team to come out uh, with more than a, a single score victory. All right, other games this week include Traverse City West at Gaylord. Uh, the Titans have already locked up a share of the Big North crown. Uh, Traverse City St. Francis is at Kalkaska, Manistee at Cadillac, Alpena at Petoskey, East Jordan is at Johannesburg Lewiston. Charlotte Boys at Frankfurt, Grayling at Benzie Central, Forest Area at Sutton's Bay, Sheboygan at Kingsley for Pink Night, uh, Glen Lake at Mancelona, and then Charlton Heston Academy is at Bel Air. So plenty of good games coming up this week. Alrighty, boys, we are coming down to the stretch, so let's go ahead and put a nice pretty ribbon on this show with the trifecta. We are uh, now in the midst of the MLB playoffs, so I figure now is the best time to reveal our picks for our favorite baseball movie. The criteria here, however, is a little different, so this movie has to deal with a baseball team in competition, so unfortunately, that rules out Field of Dreams, which obviously I think all three of us may have been able to pick as, you know, the best baseball movie of all time, or it could have, you know, uh, fallen into that category of yeah, a movie with sports as the background, which we, uh, which we discussed a few weeks ago. So that's, what, two movies now that we think could have been in that category. We talked about Big Lebowski last week that could have been in that category, and now Field of Dreams uh, this week that could be in that category. But I'm assuming, of course, that Field of Dreams is going to make an appearance on this podcast when we talk about the sports movie that most likely uh, is most likely to make us cry. So Field of Dreams is well, it's certainly up there for me. I don't know about you guys, but um, uh, so this week, best baseball movie. Brett, let's start with your pick. I, you know, I, I can't necessarily say that it's the best baseball movie of all time, but one when I was thinking about this list, that it just kind of, it just really felt like a great movie that needed to be mentioned, uh, be on this list, even if you know by averages, you know, if you took a poll of a hundred people, it might not. It might not finish at the top. Um, 2002's The Rookie, starring Dennis Quaid. Uh, it's about um, former major leaguer Jim Morris, who he actually was uh, drafted fourth overall by the Milwaukee Brewers in 1983. He never made it past eight, eight level A ball. Uh, he, he went back home, started a family, uh, became a high school general science teacher, and then was coaching the, uh, the Reagan County High School team um, and he, he kind of made a, a bet with his players that, you know, if you guys win a district title, I'll go and try out for, for the big leagues again. 
I'm talking about having dreams. You don't have dreams, you don't have anything. You're the one who should be wanting something more. Last time I checked, scouts aren't looking for high school science teachers. We start winning, you try out again. I'm serious? Yeah. All right. Boom, 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 boom. District champion, Ow. now it's your turn, Coach. It started as a simple bet. I promised to try out. It was this thing to get the kids to start playing. It became the most incredible true story. Rule number one is arms slow down when they get up in baseball history. Well, they won the district title. He goes and tries out, ends up throwing a bunch of 98-mile-an-hour-plus pitches in front of scouts, and then at the age of 35 years old, he gets signed by the Tampa Bay Devil Rays and um, ends up moving from AA to AAA. And then in September of 1999, he makes his uh, professional debut 16 years after he was drafted and just i mean the whole story behind it the unlikelihood of all this happening you know the fact that it was tied also to maybe the unlikelihood of his team being able to win a district title i mean it it really it it obviously it became a movie but it was literally a script written from the beginning yeah, the the rookie's one of those movies. It's you know, built in that that kind of uh, that Disney mode, and it's just full of goosebumps moments. Uh, I mean, the one scene that sticks out for me is when he stops his truck on the side of the road and he starts throwing baseballs past the uh, uh, the odometer or the, uh, the speedometer, I should say. Uh, and he's thrown it, and it says 78. And then as he walks by, the other two ball or the other few balls light up, you know, and it shows that it was actually 98 miles an hour. And it was one of those moments. Even talking about it right now, kind of gives me little goosebumps. Uh, it's just I, I think that you know Quaid just he does such a, a wonderful job uh, in, in that role, uh, and it's it really is. It's it's a it's a wonderful movie and kind of built in that same uh, like uh, you know around uh, you know remember the Titans. Yeah, and and kudos to the director whoever came up with the idea on the rate you know the traffic radar gun because, I mean it seems probably unlikely that that happened in real life since he his back was turned even if it did or that it even actually is he, possible or, or that yeah i haven't i haven't stopped on the side of the road to throw a baseball we should do that later tonight. we should we should there's that one sign right on division i think i do have some baseballs in my car okay so. uh but i mean just the, the idea to think of that and then like you said the light bulbs that flash up and it actually was 98 and you had no idea um it, yeah great great moment james your pick um, well, I'm going to kind of go with a common theme that, and that we brought up C.L. Kearney for the second time this week, or the second time in the podcast, so I'm going to go with a movie that's also come up uh, before, which is Major League. I, I know it's a, it's a comedy, but it's just one of those movies that you can just watch over and over and over and over again, and it just doesn't really lose anything. I'm not much for giving inspirational addresses. I'd just like to point out that every newspaper in the country has picked us to finish last. The local press seems to think we'd save everyone a lot of time and trouble if we just went out and shot ourselves. Me, I'm for wasting sports writers' time. So I'd like to hang around and see if we can give them all a nice big burger to eat. <laughs> it kind of, I mean, it hits right in the, right in the strike zone for me because it came out, you know, when I nice was pun. a teenager. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but uh, it's just it's just one of those movies that's just got, you know, it's got the drama, you know, of the, the bad team that turns it around and all that stuff like that. It's obviously got the comedy. Uh, you know, it's done pretty well for its time, especially, and everything. And it's just one of those kind of classic movies. Um, and uh, being that I couldn't go with A Field of Dreams, that's my pick. Well, you know, and it's it was tough for me because last week, of course, I picked Major League as the best sports comedy. So uh, for me, obviously, I was going to come back here and, and do Major League again. Uh, there were so many probably sports movie categories where I could pick Major League and be fine with it. Uh, but, yeah, Major League is just such a classic. So many great, great quotes. And Charlie Sheen as Ricky Vaughn is fantastic. We talked about Bob Euchre. Uh, last week and, and and just how good he is uh, as the as the uh, as the play-by-play man uh, for the Indians, but yeah, and you've got the wonderful villain in the owner that uh, that just mm-hmm. plays uh, she plays the role perfectly. You've got uh, you, you, a great uh, a coach, uh, and I I always go give him the heater, Ricky. 
right? So I know that yeah. sounded a lot like uh, Jerry Angers right there, my impression of Jerry Angers, but no, that was actually an impression of the coach from uh, from Major League. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's just such a it's it is again it's a movie that is perfect to watch this time of the year. Right now we've got Indians Yankees and. In that movie, it's Indians versus Yankees, so it's it's a perfect time to watch that movie. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite lines in that is uh, is kind of in the beginning of the movie, and it deals with the owner, where she's she gathers the all the administrators around and uh, and hands out her list of players that she wants invited to the to the tryouts and the spring training, and uh, they look at it and they go, "This guy here is dead," <laughs> and she just goes, "We'll cross him off then." <laughs> Yeah, uh, Major League, obviously a a classic baseball movie. I'm going to go with one that uh, probably very few people have actually heard or has even played much on TV anymore, but it's one that I watched a bunch. I could have gone with The Sandlot, obviously. Um, I I thought that's what one of you guys would go with. But again, that one isn't so much about a team in competition. It's more childhood and friends. It's more childhood and friends. So, you know, you know, when we do the best kids sports movie, it's probably for me. It's it's easily going to be the Sandlot. I'll fight you for it. Fine, you want to go right now? <laughs> I will throw mics down. Yeah, let's do this. Let's do it. Uh, but I'm actually going to go with a, a little known movie called Little Big League. Have either of you guys either heard or seen that? Movie? I've heard of it, but I've not seen it. All right, it's a really, really wonderful movie where uh, it uh, follows the the Minnesota Twins and it stars uh, Jason Robards, uh, who plays the grandfather of uh, Thomas Haywood. Uh, and uh, Jason Robards dies and he leaves the team to his grandson, his like 11 year old grandson, who they have bonded over baseball. And so he takes over the team as the owner and then also uh, is, uh, is in the dugout and he, he learns, he kind of teaches his, the players to love baseball again. You've worked all season long and now it comes down to this. You wonder what goes through the minds of the players and the coaches in pressure situations like these. Joe can paint a house in three hours, and Sam can paint the same house in five hours. How long does it take for them to do it together? I don't know. I mean, eight sounds good to me. But what, this, there's two of us. Come on, there's two of us. Fellas, 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 fellas. The chalk, if you please. A thank you. Using the simple formula A times B over A plus B, we arrive at our answer of one and seven eighths. Wow. Are you sure? Oh, 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 but of course, my diminutive leader. Long have I been familiar with the exactitudes of the mathematical world. Uh, They do that, but then he also finds himself getting wrapped up too much in the business side of it and becomes a little bit bitter toward baseball and becomes kind of heartless. But by the end of it, he he learns to have fun again. And I think what I love about it is, one, you've got a cameo, two great cameos, uh, because the twins play... Uh, the Seattle Mariners, so you've got Randy Johnson in there, you've also got Ken Griffey Jr., so you've got two iconic baseball players uh, making a cameo in there, Uh, but what's great about it is, spoiler alert, and I know you guys haven't seen it, but they don't win. They lose at the end. At the end of the movie, they lose, so it's it doesn't follow that same stereotypical trope of, of course, the underdog goes and they win. No, it looks like they're going to win. It looks like it's going to be a walk-off home run for them to win it, but Ken Griffey Jr. robs him at the wall and ends the game. Of course. And it's just, but it's a, it's a really wonderful movie, and I remember watching it just dozens of times. Uh, and uh, it's, it, you know, it doesn't have too many stars in it. It's Timothy Busfield from 30-something. Uh, it, it's who, who else is in there? Uh, Jonathan Silverman, who is neither of those. I mean, there are no celebrities in that movie. Um, it, it, certainly in this time, there are no celebrities. But it's, it's, it is. It's just a, it's a really cool movie with a, with a great ending. Even though they don't win, it's kind of in a, you know, Rocky doesn't win at the end. I'm not saying it's as good as Rocky. Um, but uh, it, not. it's no, it's not. Um, but it's still, it's still a, uh, it's still a wonderful movie. And if you haven't seen Little Big League, I highly recommend it. What were you, some of your other guys' uh, finalists? I mean, one of mine would have been The Natural. Of course. Uh, I mean, that's just a classic. Yes, classic baseball. And that movie. one again, uh, I could have talked for 
you know, a couple minutes about how my father and I bonded over watching that movie. The Natural is one of those movies that I that I bonded over. That iconic scene of him hitting that home run into the lights and then, mm-hmm. you know, rounding the bases with the sparks falling down onto the field is is just fan it's fantastic. It is it is great. But I, I what I thought was so many people have chosen that movie. I wanted to kind of go outside of the box a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Field of Dreams was on my list as well, James. Uh, Sandlot, as as we talked about, that was on my list. Um, A League of Their Own was on the list as well. Fantastic movie. Making an appearance next week in our category, I guarantee you that. And uh, I mean, that was my short list. I I thought I was going to maybe go home last night and watch Bull Durham to see if it needed to be at the top of my list. Totally overrated. I think think Bull Durham is a good movie. I I don't think it's uh, on par with a lot of the movies. That we've where, talked about here. Where do we put Bad News Bears? Got some Bad News Bears in there. You've you've got. I didn't uh, put that on there because I haven't seen the original. I've only seen the new one, so that could be in our kids category. Yeah. Moneyball is also a good one. Uh, Moneyball is good. That does have some competition in there as they're following the uh, 2002 Oakland A's uh, with their win streak. So. Uh, we would love to hear from you on any topic that we talked about on this show. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, uh, again, facebook.com uh, backslash TCRE Sports. You can also find us on Twitter at TCRE Sports. You can find Brett Summers at BA Sports Writer, James Cook at James Cook 14, and again, myself at Brendan Queeley. We want to thank you so much for taking some time and out of your busy day and listening to the Get Around podcast. We always appreciate it. Uh, feel free uh, to spread the word about this show. We, uh, word of mouth is always helpful. Uh, go back and listen to some of the other episodes. If you haven't listened to the Get Around After Dark, uh, please listen to that one. And also watch out for a new episode of the Get Around After Dark coming out Saturday morning. For my co-hosts, James Cook and Brett Summers, I am Brendan Queeley. Once again, thank you so much for listening, and have a great rest of the week.